Amen. I'm turning this morning to Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs chapter 21. And our text this morning is found in verses 6 through 10. Proverbs chapter 21, verses 6 through 10. And we're going to consider the subject this morning of the way of man. The way of man. If you look with me at verse number 8, we'll see this is where the subject comes from. The Word of God says, The way of man is forward and strange, but as for the pure, his work is right. The way of the man. We see in verse 8, two ways being contrasted. One is the way of man, which is defined or compared to forward or perverse or strange. Compared with the way of the pure, which the way of the pure, the work is right, and it is that which should be followed. We notice here that as we consider the way of man, we show, see that the way of man is not defined here as the way of every man. It's certainly not the way of the righteous man. It's not the way of believers in Christ who know Him, who walk in His way, who desire to press on towards the knowledge of God. Believers in Christ don't, do not walk the way of man because they are being led by Him. They're being led by the perfect, pure, and righteous God. You say, how can man walk in the right way? Because we have the Spirit of God which leads us to walk in the proper way. We have the Holy Spirit to not only walk in His ways, but to delight in His ways, to find pleasure in the way that is pure. So we could say this morning that the way of the righteous man is not forward. It's not strange. It might be strange to the unbelieving world because it is a walk that is markedly different. It is not the same. It is a walk that is strange to the unbeliever, but is the delight of fellow believers. As you and I who know the Lord walk in the pure way, our walk encourages and edifies each other. The Lord approves of the walk of the righteous, but He hates the walk or the way of the world. Or as the writer of Proverbs says, the way of man. Imagine walking in our own ways and imagine walking in the way in which by nature we were inclined to walk. Uh, we would be walking as impure men and women. We would be walking as impure children. But notice again, as the Proverbs often does, it is a way of comparing and contrasting. Many of the Proverbs, each verse compares the right way with the wrong way. I would assume that most of us that are here today want to know the right way. We're not here to necessarily find how do I walk in the wrong way. We desire to walk in God's way. We desire to walk in the pure way. We desire our lives to be a delight not only to the Lord, but a delight to one another. The way of man is according to the natural inclination of the flesh. That's what man does. Man walks according to who he is. Man walks according to his nature. The preciousness of a newborn child, we think about it, we consider it, we say there's nothing more precious than a new life being 
birthed into the world, but we have to understand that apart from the grace of God shining in the heart of that young person at the appropriate hour, they are born in sin. It is a difficult thought to consider because none of us look at young people, look at babies and say that that is an improper walk, that's an improper way, but until they're saved and until they're converted, uh, they're born in sin. That's the man's natural inclination. That's what we are inclined to do. We walk according to the flesh in our natural state. We walk according to the direction and the guide of our corrupt nature, which is common to all. All come short of the glory of God. It is certain that the way of man, apart from God's grace, always leads to destruction. It's a perverted way. It is a way that's contrary not only to reason, but contrary to truth. It's contrary and opposes, despises the right direction. It's a crooked path. It's a path that is not according to the rule of God or the rules of His Word, but it is a deviation. It is a perversion. It's a corruption from the way of God's commandments, and that's why it's defined as a strange one. That phrase, the way of man is forward and strange, that's what it literally means. It is perverse. The scriptures do not know of a saved person who walks in the way of man. For many years, we've been told that man deviates and goes back and forth between his new nature and then walking as a carnal man we realize to be in the flesh and to be carnal is to be away from god can a man backslide certainly but he does not walk in this perverse corrupt way a man that is in the way of the walks in the way of the world the way of the man is a man who is estranged from god he's separated from him the way of man does not move a person closer to god it moves an individual farther away from God. So the way of man is never going in the right direction. The way of man is always going farther and farther away from the truth of God. We may render it and we may say this morning that the way of man is certainly strange, corrupt, perverse. The way of man, that man is a stranger to God. He or she is a stranger to godliness. He or she is a stranger to Christ. He or she is a stranger to the gospel. He or she is a stranger to the presence of the Holy Spirit. He or she is a stranger to the operations of grace. He or she is literally a stranger to their own heart. The heart is deceptive, it's deceitful. It's wicked. Man walks in the condition in which he's born, apart from the saving work of the Spirit. So if you walk today in the pure way, you walk in the pure way as a direct result of the gift of God. In the verses that we see this morning in these, first, these verses 6 through 10, we see what's being described primarily the way of a man, the way a man walks in his natural state. These are the things that should not mark the believer's walk. These are the things that mark the unbeliever's walk. Now, verse 6, you'll notice, says 
that the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity. Now this may not seem as complicated as it does at first glance, but notice he says that the gain of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity, tossed to and fro from them that seek death. This is a bit complicated to kind of pull together what Solomon, under the inspiration of the Spirit, is writing here. But in its purest and simplest form, Solomon is writing about the getting of treasures or the obtaining of wealth or the, the obtaining of the applause of men, the applause of promotion, or some other aim to bring something upon yourself. Now you'll notice that the way of the man is always going to be for self. He's always going to be, what can I obtain to my flesh? The way of man is to lie. The man who is in the way of the world will lie to gain treasure. There's a lot of applications here. Anytime that we are lying to acquire wealth or to acquire something, it's a breaking of the commandments of God. Some people would say, no, sometimes you have to lie because it's just good business. If you lie to acquire treasures, you're walking in the way of man. Can you imagine frequenting a Christian business and the Christian owners lie to you to acquire treasure? Say so that certainly couldn't happen, could it? It could. They'd be walking in the way of man. This commandment that God has given us about thou shalt not lie, we know the commandment. But you'll notice as we read on and kind of pull these together, we notice that there's the, the, there's the emphasis on the word lying, but then notice in verse 7, there is the word robbery. The robbery of the wicked shall destroy them because they refuse to do judgment. This is all connected to the way of man. The way of man, again, the verse we started with, is forward and strange, but as for the pure, his work is right. Seemingly what doesn't seem to fit in this series of verses here verse 9 although i'll submit to you in a moment it does carry through it is better to dwell in the corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house the soul of the wicked desireth evil his neighbor findeth no favor in his eyes again we have to understand that this is describing the way of man now, as you consider this, and we consider what's even being given and unraveled here in verse 6, we see the use of that word vanity. Anytime that we break one of God's commandments, anytime we go against God's prescribed way, we are walking in a vain way. Solomon, of course, the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, came to the conclusion, and he would say, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It means emptiness. It means to be without meaning. It means that there is absolutely nothing good that comes by walking in things that are against the commandments or the way of God. Ecclesiastes, of course, very similar to Proverbs in some of the ways. It describes the condition. Solomon oftentimes is speaking of himself. 
There's times in Ecclesiastes where he's talking about his own backslidden condition. He's talking about how he went out and tried to find something that would bring him satisfaction. He walked in a way to try to bring himself something that would bring him happiness. And yet he couldn't come to the conclusion that anything he found in the world that was contrary to God brought him any peace or any joy. Yet if we're not careful, we send our children out into the world thinking that they're ever going to find joy or contentment or happiness in what the world offers. And I will assure you, they will never find it. They'll never find anything this world offers that will bring lasting contentment. Solomon was considered the wisest man who ever lived, but for moments in his life, he started walking the wrong direction. It describes the state of a person may find himself if they walk in the way of man. Of course, we know that the way of man that is walking apart from God, who's a stranger to the things of God, will ultimately find nothing but destruction at the end. You'll notice that as verse 6 goes on, it says not only is it vanity, but it's to be tossed to and fro of them that seek death. Now, most likely this tossing to and fro is a picture of rough seas that are described in Psalm 107, verses 25 through 27. And we're given in that psalm a picture of stormy seas being tossed about, about the waves. The connection here is things and gains and treasures that are gained by dishonest gain and dishonest means will lead to nothing but being destroyed and diminished. You're not going to find pleasure in them. If you lie to acquire, you're not going to find pleasure in that thing. I would say, as a matter of fact, you're probably going to find at the end heartache. This lying tongue, the getting of treasures. In other words, if you get them by these means, they're not worth having. It's become all too easy in our world today to lie and to not even think about it. It's become all too easy to actually accept a lie and say, that's not really a big deal. The lying tongue leads to destruction. It leads to death. But you'll notice again that these verses all talk about how man, when he walks in his own way, these are the things that man will do. He will incur the wrath of God. And those who try to get treasures by this lying tongue, he says they are tossed to and fro and they can be compared to a person who's seeking death. In other words, anything that's done this way leads to destruction. It's certain. Man who walks in this way will eventually find destruction to his soul. Now verse 7 has to be connected with verse 6. He speaks about the act of committing robbery, to steal. Even a single attempt at robbing or thieving someone can lead to that person's downfall. The robbery of the wicked shall destroy them. He doesn't say series of robberies. He doesn't say a lifestyle of robbery. He says the robbery of the wicked, one who robs another person, the robbery of them will destroy them because they refuse to do judgment. To rob is to 
have an intention to be lawless. When a person sets out to rob or to thieve, to steal from another, there's an intention to be lawless. Lawlessness. It's beginning to mark the age in which we live. There's even a call in many places to do away with some laws. Do away with laws. We would rather be lawless. We would rather do what's right in our own eyes. To steal, to lie, these are all attempts at violating God's law. It is an effect, robbery here, is to despise God's work. To despise God's command. Many who steal, many who rob from another person, simply just do not want to work. It's interesting. We have a whole generation that suddenly has decided, I don't want to work. Yet, Genesis 3.19 tells us that we are to work. We are to be workers. We are to be people of law and order. We are to be people who obey the laws of God. Yet, robbery, lying, these are not the ways of the pure. These are the ways of man. Proverbs 28 to 21, 8 again. We saw this. Let's focus now on the pure. His work is right. Now, to give us a little bit of understanding on this, we want to refer to what Paul wrote in Titus chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 about pure, purity. He says, Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. In other words, the pure are walking not in a way that is defiled, not in a way that just simply professes to know God, but in a way that actually truly does know God and in their works do not deny God, but actually affirm God. It's exactly the opposite of what the way of man is. Now many times verse number 9 is taken to, bear with me for a moment, just to come down hard on our women. That's not the full intention of this verse. This, in, this verse is not just about, hey, women are the only ones who would be brawling. The concept here is, and notice how that verse starts by saying, it is better. It's, again, one of the Proverbs that begins with, it is better. What is better? Well, it's better, we see through Proverbs, to love. There's, it's better to have peace. It's better to have contentment. This is not just about the woman. This is about it is better to have love and peace and contentment in the married life is what this is about. Sometimes our men in our churches just get so bowed up about how the problems always arising with the women in the house. It's the woman's problem, the reason why things are the way they are. No, it talks often about an angry man throughout Scripture as well. And the picture here is, is really the way of man 
is a house that is, is, is disrupted by chaos. It's disrupted by not peaceful things, not pure things. The house of believers should be a place of love and it should be a place of peace. It should be a place of contentment. You shouldn't walk into the home of a believing family and find chaos. It should be a place where there isn't brawling going on. There isn't things that are disruptive. A house that's filled with constant argument. It's become kind of the... It's become kind of the the joke that, hey, it's kind of funny when you see a argumentative household. A lot of our entertainment is based upon disrupted households. And we're finding pleasure in it. We're finding joy and laughter in a family that's being divided and disrupted by affairs and the husband or the father is portrayed as just being completely dim-witted and out of it, and we laugh and say, boy, how funny that is. Is it really? We wonder why in the world, why the father is being diminished, why you sit and laugh at the father, the dim-witted father, and the wife who's completely on him about how bad he is and reminding him how awful he is, and we laugh and we laugh and we laugh, and yet at the same time we're watching the home just completely disintegrate right before our eyes, and we're saying, boy, that was funny. And yet, that contention in a house, that carries over into every other relationship in your life. It carries over into your church relationships. It carries over into your work relationships. Every relationship is affected by the contention that's in your home. And yet, what should believing households be? They, should they be walking in the way of man or should they be walking in the way of the pure? They should be walking in the way of the pure. But we see... That our houses and our homes, instead of having disruption and discontentment, should be houses that are filled with sacrifice for one another, a desire to love each other, and a desire to live at peace with each other. Again, verse 10 really goes along more with domestic life. He says, the soul of the wicked, notice this, desireth evil. His neighbor findeth no favor in his eyes. Here now we see that instead of walking in purity and in walking in righteousness, they who are evil or the way of man is walking in a way that is actually devising evil. He's trying to find ways to carry out his evil devices. That's interesting the way that this is mentioned because he says, The soul of the wicked desires evil. Even his neighbor finds no favor in his eyes. One of the two great commandments was what? Love thy neighbor as thyself. How do you summarize the entirety of God's law? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength, and love your neighbor as thyself. 
This is the epitome of the way of man, is to seek evil even against the neighbor who should be able to live securely next to you without any threats from you. It's an amazing thing how often I hear now about people, and I know that the love thy neighbor is not just the person whose address is next to you at your home or apartment, it's mankind. But isn't it amazing how many people who do live near each other can't even get along together? Neighbors in a neighborhood can't even get along with their neighbors. Sometimes the hardest people to deal with in a neighborhood, and I hate to say this, are the people who profess to know Christ. They're the neighbor that's not loving as they should. Yet this man is walking in a way that is devising evil. He's trying to find ways to carry out evil even against his neighbor, or in the full context, he's trying to find a way to carry out evil against people. The wicked will seek to commit evil wherever they can find it, wherever they will acquire these gains that we've talked about. A person who is walking in the way of man will make no exception of devising evil against his neighbor if it means that he will gain treasure. He'll take advantage. He'll hurt. He'll persecute. He'll do whatever he needs to do. Sometimes he'll find his neighbor as being an easy way to acquire, to gain, to get. You see, when we think about the way of man, none of us should be wanting to walk in that way. But rather, we should want to walk in the way that God declares himself to be, which is pure. God's just not a characteristic. He doesn't just have the characteristics of acting pure. He is purity itself. We often make the mistake of saying things like, well, God demonstrates purity. No, God is purity. Or God demonstrates love. No, God is actually, he is actual love. He doesn't turn it on and off. It's his, it is his attributes. Everything God has created is made pure. Even his work in creation is pure. There's no unrighteousness in God. He is pure. How should we walk? We should walk as people who do not have even the spot of sin in us and wanting to defile ourselves, but we should walk in the ways of Christ. A person who is walking in the way of the pure is a person who has been cleansed and forgiven of their sins. They have been given a heart that desires to walk according to God's ways. But remember, where does that work come from? That work comes from God. God is the one that initiated and completes and carries out the work in the soul and in the heart. This work of God is done upon us, not because we granted God the permission to do the work upon us, but out of his mercy and grace, he did that work upon us so that we may walk the right way. All of our walk and all of our works should be right. We should do them from a heart of love. We should do them from a heart of faith. We should do them in the name and the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything we do, as Paul said, we should do to the glory of God. You know, the problem sometimes we see with Proverbs, not a problem in the, in the spiritual sense, but in the personal sense, is it does a lot of stepping on our toes. 
because there's a lot of things in there that <laughs> humanly speaking just like a, it's like a sting to the heart because we begin to remind ourselves maybe I'm not walking in the right way maybe I'm not walking as purely as I should I'm not saying you do not have salvation I'm not saying you've lost your salvation I'm just simply saying just as Solomon said sometimes we can kind of veer off the right way and start walking in the way of the world and before you know it you've been walking a long time on that road before you're brought to understand this is not the right way there's a whole segment of christianity that's trying to have both we want we want the benefits of god we want we want this we want this but we also want to walk our own way there's only two ways we know there's only one way of salvation. There's one road that leads to heaven. There's one way that leads to Christ. There's another way that leads to destruction. We are not supposed to be double-minded. You're not supposed to see how much of the way of man can I work into my walk with God. And I'm afraid that's what's happening. The line has become blurred between pure walk because mankind and people that I think with bad intentions are trying to label everything that God says as a commandment. They're trying to label as being legalistic and overbearing. Please understand what the word legalism means. There is still a call in the scripture to live a holy life, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. There's a way that we're supposed to walk and there's a way we're not supposed to walk. Legalism strictly has to do with the reality of how does a person come to Christ? And legalism says man can earn his way to heaven. He can gain heaven by works. That's legalistic. Saying you're supposed to walk on the, on the narrow road or walk on the way of the pure, that's not legalism. That you're supposed to be different than the world, that's not legalism. That you're supposed to act differently than the world, that's not legalism. That's scripture. That's what we're supposed to do. The way of man is contrasted with the way of the pure. Now again, our flesh, that old nature that's still in us doesn't like that. Because we don't like being told what to do almost in any circumstance, right? We don't like it. We don't want someone to tell us what to do. But I think it's important that we understand that as we consider these truths today and we consider everything that's being said to us, we ought to challenge ourselves to the Word to really look and think about our own actions. Think about the way we walk today. Are we walking in the way of the pure or are we walking in the way of man? There is no doing of both. The way of man as we learned here even in this verse we looked at, the way of man is only right in his own eyes. Remember what we talked about last week in verse number two about the Lord? It says, every man, every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. Only the Lord today knows exactly what's going on in this heart of ours. Only God knows. We can learn to put on a pretty good front. We can learn to put on a pretty good outward. Matter of fact, we've gotten really good at it. We've gotten good at saying, I'm walking with God. I'm walking in the right way. I'm, I'm living in the right way. But only God really knows if that's the case. The Lord ponders the heart. He weighs them. He weighs the motives. He weighs the intent. 
You know, our hearts can sometimes so deceive us that we even think we're even deceived by our own motive and we're deceived by our own intention. We think our intention is pure and God says that's not even a pure intention. So today, maybe we ought to pray to Lord, Lord, reveal in me, as David did, reveal in me if there be any wicked way in me. Discover that wicked way in me and show it to me. Show my wicked ways. The way of man clearly tells us it is forward and strange. But as for the pure, his work is right. I hope that'll help us this morning, convict us where need be, challenge us to consider where is our walk this morning. Well, let's finish this time we've had together sing on page number 57. Let's go ahead and stand as we sing hymn number 57, God leads us along. In shady green pastures so rich and so sweet, God leads his dear children along. Where the water's cool flow bathes the weary one's feet, God leads his dear children along. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. Hymn number 57.